Southport Congregational Church, it is good to be back. It feels like coming home each and every time I come here. So thank you for your warm welcome. Thanks to the leadership this morning. Thanks for that song. That was amazing. Thank you so much. I look forward to sharing the next few weeks with you while Paul and Laura are away. Paul gave me lots of direction, but failed to tell me to wear sunscreen at the beach service this morning, so I'm feeling a little scorched. But with that, will you pray with me? Emmanuel, God with us, God who communes with us, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be good and acceptable before you, our rock and our redeemer, I pray in Jesus' name. I may have said this, but for those of you who haven't heard me preach here before, I grew up in church. The son of two American Baptist ministers, the son of an American, the grandson of an American Baptist missionary, and that is a lot of church. Two parents, one grandparent, third generation preacher. And, <laughs> and, I offer all of that, realizing I have not read the scripture yet. My apologies. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a blooper roll for this <laughs> service. We, do, we just have to get our groove on, yes, and then we'll be fine. Our scripture comes from the book of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. Yes, this is a long piece of scripture, but I want to give you the full context for what I will be offering in my sermon when it eventually starts. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. By showing himself again, that references that this is a post-Easter, post-resurrection story. He showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin. Keep in mind, these are two of the very first disciples called Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going out fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got on the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, full night of fishing, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children... You have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, well, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw char a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them, apparently, 
And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed, feed my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he said to him three times, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yes, where was I? Son of two American Baptist ministers and the grandson of an American Baptist missionary. And I offer that to say, I've heard sermons preached on the failure to catch fish, Sermons about why Jesus would reappear to the disciples here, which is exactly where he first met them, fishing. There are sermons about Jesus asking Simon Peter, do you love me? Sermons that explain that by asking three times, Jesus gives Simon Peter the chance to make up for the three times he denied knowing Jesus. There are so many sermons about this passage. So I've taken a little from all of them. My sermon's about 147 pages. We'll take a break in 90 minutes. That's okay with you. No, I wanted you to hear the whole context, but to focus in on the meal that Jesus and the disciples share. This is significant. After the resurrection, Jesus keeps appearing to the disciples at mealtimes. He shares a meal with the two that he accompanies on the road to Emmaus, right? And he's made known to them in the breaking of the bread. 
He shares a meal when he appears to them in the room where the door is locked, remember? And, and Thomas isn't there, which later leads to the story about doubting Thomas. And here, Jesus appears to them, perhaps in the very place where he first met some of them, next to the sea, where he had said just three years earlier, come and I will make you fishers of humanity. Now when they bring their haul in, they cook some of it, and Jesus breaks bread, breaks bread, and shares the cooked fish. Even before the Last Supper, which we remember today, we see so many stories about Jesus that involve food. He's reclining and eating when his feet are washed. He feeds the 5,000. The Bible says he breaks bread with sinners and tax collectors. And when he sees Zacchaeus up in the tree, please don't start singing the camp song or I'll never get it out of my head. But when he sees Jesus, Zacchaeus up in the tree, he says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree for tonight we will eat together. Following Jesus' ascension, we see how important the shared meal becomes to the early Christian communities through the letters of Paul. In one letter, he tells members of the church in Corinth that if they can't wait to share food with the ones still laboring in the fields, then they should eat in their own homes before arriving because the shared meal is supposed to be just that, shared, equally portioned, equally nourishing. Now, why am I giving this long litany of Shared meals. Is anyone hungry yet? There is only one last supper. There's only one last supper. But the Bible is full of communion stories. Those moments when food is shared and not only bellies, but heads, hearts, and spirits are filled, nourished, and satisfied. Significant moments happen in these shared meals. In today's story, which we almost didn't hear, in today's story, they finish eating and Jesus turns to Simon Peter, the one they called the rock, and asks, do you love me? Three times, Jesus asks, and after Simon Peter answers both the first and the final time, how does Jesus respond? Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Now, sure, there's metaphor here, but the metaphor is potent. Like other communion stories, this is a moment of transformation. So looking ahead to the communion we're about to share around this table, I want to ask you to consider something. At the Last Supper, when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, what is the this to which Jesus refers? Do this in remembrance of me. What's the this? 
I confess that whatever happens at this table is a mystery to me. I spent five years in seminary. I spent three years working on a doctorate in theology. I pastored churches for eight years. I've worked in theological schools for 10 years. And I'm still not sure exactly what happens here. But I do know that Jesus wants us to pay attention. I do know that Jesus wants us to be fed. I do know that we can experience transformation here when we break bread in community. And maybe that's, maybe that's the key. Maybe that's the this. Maybe when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, he meant every time you sit down with people you love and you eat and you share stories and your minds and your bodies and your hearts are nourished, do that in remembrance of me. So one final story. In 1995, I was working as a missionary in the Dominican Republic, and I was serving as the foreman for a hospital construction project being built for Haitian refugee sugar farmers. A Haitian family lived on the construction site. They watched over the equipment at night, and they made sure that the site was ready every time a volunteer group arrived from the U.S. In fact, at the time, it was the single largest volunteer project in the entire world believed to take 75 years to build this hospital from foundation to roof. All of the children in the family, in this Haitian family, were old enough to go to school, except one, Noel. Every morning I would arrive at the site and Noel would come out of their home, amble on up to me. He'd flex his arms and have me poke his biceps to see how strong he was getting. Then he'd make me flex my arms and he'd poke them and he'd shake his head as if to say, you just ain't got it yet, Ned. You got to keep working on it here. We couldn't converse, actually, because Noel only spoke Haitian Creole and I only spoke English and Spanish. So these exchanges always happened in silence, nonverbal exchanges. So there came one afternoon when I was waiting on my ride for lunch. I'd been working for nearly six hours and was famished. Poor, poor me. Finally, too tired to go on, I took out a bottle of Coke and I sat down on the curb in front of the hospital. Out came Noel, ambling on up, flexing his muscles. But instead of coming right to me, he darted over to a tree, climbed up, plucked a mango, and brought it down to me. He peeled it open with his fingers. He offered me a piece. I gave him my bottle of Coke, and we sat together. Every once in a while, Noel would poke my arm, shake his head, still not strong enough, and we would laugh. We didn't have a shared spoken language or a shared cultural identity or a shared social location, but we shared that mango and Coke as two human 
beings laughing, miming stories in community together. I don't know exactly what happens here. But I do, I, I don't know what the Holy Spirit does here, but I do know that that moment with Noel was part of the answer. Because it changed me. It transformed me. It made me think about generosity and abundance and hope and the wisdom of children and the sharing of food. There was only one last supper. But there were and there are so many communions. And if we enter into moments of sharing with our eyes and hearts wide open with equity, with love, then we just might realize that it's all communion. May it be so. Amen.